Thank you for listening to this audio message from Christ Fellowship Leesville. We exist to make disciples for the glory of Jesus. We pray God uses this message to help you grow in your walk with Christ. To learn more about Christ Fellowship, please visit us online at ChristFellowshipNC.org. Well, if you would, turn in your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 2. We're only going to be looking at one verse this evening. Uh, that's going to be on the screen as well for you, but we'd love for you to see it in context in your Bibles as well. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24. 1 Peter 2, 24. So let me read our verse for us, and then we will pray and ask for the Lord's help. And then we will take some time to meditate over the truth found in this verse as we reflect on what Christ has accomplished on the cross. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. Let's pray together. Father, we stand here together, we gather here together this evening solely because of Jesus Christ and what he has accomplished. Father, this is indeed a good Friday. It's on a Friday where Jesus laid down his life. No one took it from him. He willingly laid it down of his own accord that he might purchase our redemption. And Father, we know that it is because of the death of Jesus that our sins have been paid for, covered, complete, completed. Your wrath has been completely satisfied. Because of what he has done, you have sent your spirit to dwell in us, to awaken us, to give us understanding even of the cross itself. And so Father, we pray that your spirit would come now and would be at work in us through the truth of your word. I pray that you would help us to dive even deeper into the cross of Jesus Christ and what he accomplished there. Father, I think it's so often the case that we just need to be reminded, refreshed about what Jesus has accomplished on this Easter weekend. And so, Father, we ask for your help as we come before the truth of your word and we pray that you would use it to draw us closer to Christ. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as with every holiday, it is very easy to get caught up in the busyness and, uh, dare I even say, worldliness of it all. It's easy to get caught up in those things and to forget what the Christian holiday is really about. And that's no less of a temptation for a church, by the way. I mean, this, as with Christmas, Easter, it's a, it's a busy week. It's a busy week for churches, right? I mean, for example, by God's grace, tomorrow, we hope to leverage our 
culture's affection for Easter holiday traditions, and we're going to have an egg hunt so that we can develop relationships with our community, so that we can proclaim the excellencies of Christ and the truth of the gospel to them, and that's a good thing to do, but there is a busyness to that, right? And it's easy to get caught up in the busyness of what we need to do, and we forget to reflect on the substance of what it is that we are Observing, So that's why I believe having a time like this, a Good Friday service, is why we as elders want to have this service so that we can just set aside this intentional time to focus our hearts and our minds on the substance of this Easter weekend, to, to be reminded tonight about the crucifixion and death and burial of Jesus And then, of course, looking forward to Sunday as we celebrate his resurrection. But, of course, that comes Sunday. And here tonight on Good Friday, what we want to do is set aside time to specifically reflect on the death of Jesus Christ on the cross and what he accomplished there. Now, even saying that is a strange phrase, right? And we, we say that phrase a lot in this church. And I think it's the right thing to say, but it is strange to talk about what someone accomplishes through their death. Right? We don't normally think of accomplishing something in that way when we die. We don't think we've accomplished something when we die. But it's the exact right way to speak of Jesus. In fact, we will be celebrating and worshiping Jesus for what he accomplished in his death for the rest of eternity. And we get a preview of that in Revelation chapter 5. I'll read a few select portions of Revelation 5. Here they are looking forward to the end of days, and this is what John sees as he writes in Revelation 5. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain. The four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, and they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation, and you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. And then I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders the voice of many angels numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. You see, what they are gathered around praising Jesus for was for his death. He is the slain lamb. And it's what he accomplished through his dying that I want us, Lord willing, to meditate on this evening. And as we increase our depth of understanding of what Christ accomplished on the cross, that he will increase our love for him and faith in him and confidence in the good news of the gospel and in what he accomplished on the cross. Now, There are, of course, dozens of places in Scripture we could have turned to to reflect on these things this evening. But I want us to mainly focus on this one verse, 1 Peter chapter 2, 
verse 24. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. And so uh, one of the, one of the best ways to, to drive our depth of understanding of this passage and, and therefore our depth of understanding about the cross is just to ask and Lord willing answer a few simple questions about this verse. Just to have a simple meditation over 1 Peter 2.24. We're going to ask who, what, when, where, why, and how. Okay? Just a simple meditation. So let's first talk about the who of 1 Peter 2.24. There are two groups of, or there are two either people, groups of people identified in 1 Peter 2.24. So first, of course, it says, he himself. Now, we know this refers to Jesus because earlier in 1 Peter 2, Peter is talking about Jesus and he's continuing to reflect on Christ and what he has done. And, and he says, he himself talking about Jesus. Now, that's obvious at one level, but, but I want to point out that he himself is singular. It is one man, one person that is being spoken of here. He himself. And the reason that's important is because it stands in stark contrast to the other group that is mentioned in this verse. That other group is in the plural, right? He, singular himself, bore our sins. Plural. More than one. Our sins. So who is the our? Well, we know that uh, Peter is writing to believers because 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 1, he's writing to the elect exiles of the dispersion. Uh, verse 2, those that have been sanctified by the Spirit. Uh, verse 3 of 1 Peter 1, those who have been born again to a living hope. So the, the who that Peter is talking about that, that Jesus bore the sins of is those who trust in Jesus, the, the believers, the, the people of God. So we have he himself as a singular one person, Jesus Christ. He himself bore our sins, plural, all believers for all time. Now, while that may seem basic, I think the weight of it comes as we answer the next question, which is what? What happened according to verse 24? Jesus Christ, he himself, bore our sins. He bore them. He carried them. He took them on himself. That's what the word bore means, to, to carry along, to place our sins on himself. Specifically, it says, in his body. It is literal. He literally took our sins and carried them on himself, bore our sins in his body. This is what Jesus Christ did. Listen, this is astounding to think about, right? Just take a moment. The, the, the sheer weight and volume of my sins alone is unthinkable, Right? Just think about your individual life as I meditate over my individual life. Every moment of pride, greed, envy, 
anger, gossip, faithlessness, selfishness. And the list goes on and on and on. Right? For me individually, that is an undescribably long list. Right? That is a lot of sin for me just individually. I feel that it would be an endless list. I would never come to the end of trying to even remember all of the sins that would belong on that list. And just imagine if every one of those sins in my life, every one of those sins in your life was an individual brick, how big of a house could you build? What would the size of that house be? And then you add one more person and you've doubled the size of the house. Then you add all gather here tonight and you multiply that exponentially by dozens, right? And then we stretch out to Raleigh and you multiply that house for all believers in Raleigh to be thousands of times that size. America, millions of times that size. And the world and all believers throughout history would be billions of times that size. And Jesus took all those figurative bricks And stood underneath them and bore them in his body. This is what Jesus has done. It is beyond comprehension how big that figurative building would be of the sins of that group of people, of our sins that he bore in his body. Now, of course, these sins are not physical bricks, but they are no less weighty. They are no less of a burden. They are no less heavy. And this isn't some mythical, metaphysical thing. No, it says that he literally bore our sins in his body. He took them on himself. It's why 2 Corinthians 5.21, for example, says that he made him who knew no sin talking about Jesus, he made him who knew no sin to be sin so that in him we might uh, become the righteousness of God. He made him to be sin because he in his body bore our sins. This is what has happened so who he himself took our sins, the sins of those who trust in him, on himself, in his body. All right, now, when and where did he do this? So this is one question, when and where, because once we know the where that's identified in verse 24, we know the when. So, so where did this happen? What does verse 24 say? He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree. This is where it happened. It happened on the tree. The tree is a reference to the cross. That's what's being talked about in 1 Peter 2, 24. It refers to the wooden cross upon which Jesus was crucified. So it was in that moment when Jesus hung on the cross that our sins, all of those sins that we just reflected on, he bore in his body as he hung on the tree. When Christ was nailed to the cross, he was given the burden of our sin. That's the where and the when that it happened. Now, when we think about the cross, 
We, we often, and this is not necessarily bad or evil to do, but we often think about the physical suffering of Jesus. And again, I'm not saying that's wrong to do. I do think it's interesting, however, that the New Testament authors did not spend a lot of time going into great detail about his physical suffering. And I think one of the reasons for that is as unimaginably horrific as that would be, <coughs> excuse me, it is nothing. It pales in comparison to the purity of Jesus Christ having to take on the filthy, rebellious sins of his people. The physical suffering pales in comparison to Jesus bearing our sins in his body. And as he bore our sins in his pure, righteous body, the wrath of God on the cross was poured out on him. And the Bible tells us that he drank that wrath to the bottom. Not one drop of God's wrath toward those sins was left when all was said and done. And that was the suffering that Jesus felt more intensely than any nail, than any thorn, than any moment of physical pain, was the wrath that he bore for the weight of the sins of all of his people on himself in that moment. And by the way, Peter uses the word tree here intentionally. We know from Deuteronomy chapter 21, verses 22 and 23, that if a man has committed a crime punishable by death and he is put to death and you hang him on a tree, his body shall not remain all night on the tree, but you shall bury him the same day Listen to this. For a hanged man is cursed by God. So the Apostle Paul, seeing that in Deuteronomy, picks up on that. And in Galatians chapter 3, verse 13 says this. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. So as Jesus bore our sins on the tree, he became a curse so that we could be freed from the curse of sin and death. He bore our sins. He became a curse in our place so that we would no longer be under the curse of God. That's why Peter says that this happened on the tree. Now why? Why did Jesus do this? Well, look there again at verse 24. What does it say? He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. He did this to free us from the curse of sin. He did this to free us from our captivity to the darkness so that we could be free from sin and no longer give in to sin so that we can now pursue holiness and pursue righteousness, right? What a, what a precious gift that is. It's so easy as it's so easy to spend Easter and Good Friday only reflecting on what Christ has done. Now don't get me wrong, we should reflect on that. But it's easy to do that and not take the extra step of saying therefore what ought I to do? And that's what this verse says. Christ has done this 
so that you could put sin to death in your life so that you could pursue holiness for the glory of God with your life. In other words, the call of the cross to us is a call to crucify our sins and to pursue holiness. And we're not meditating on the cross appropriately if we don't meditate on what God has called us to do. If we don't fight against sin and put sin to death in our life and run after the holiness of God as we reflect on these things. Peter is therefore saying, quit giving sin life, die to it, and instead live to the righteousness that Christ has purchased for you. So that's why, and then finally, how? How has this been done? Well, what does the last phrase of verse 24 say? By his wounds, you have been healed. So how have you been healed? By his wounds. That's how you and I have been healed how we have been set free from our sin, how we've been set free from the curse because he bore our sins in his body and he became a curse so that you wouldn't have to be. And notice with me that this is in the past tense. By his wounds, you have been healed. It's already been done. You have been healed by the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. It is done. Christ has already accomplished it. And listen, there are all kinds of ways in our modern culture <clears throat> that our culture tells us to ha how we need to appease our guilty conscience. And there are many ways that that's done in destructive ways. Unfortunately, many times individuals turn to bodily harm. They turn to substance abuse and self-harm by doing things like cutting or even suicide because they can't bear, uh, bear the guilt and shame that overwhelms them. And listen, friends, our guilt and shame should feel overwhelming. We should be overwhelmed by our guilt and shame. But the question is, what do we do with it? What do we do with that overwhelming feeling? Well, this says we can simply confess our sins and turn it over because Jesus has already healed us from them. And we are healed by his wounds. Therefore, we don't need to wound ourselves. Right, that is precious good news. We don't have to beat ourselves up physically or emotionally or spiritually. His wounds have healed us. We don't have to wound ourselves to seek wholeness and healing because Christ has already accomplished it if we trust in his finished and complete work. This is the good news of the gospel. We have already been healed. So there's a lot here in this one simple verse. And I would even encourage you to memorize this verse over this Easter weekend. That our sins, a multiplicity of God's people have been laid on him individually. And he bore them in his body on a tree, becoming a curse in our place. Taking the wrath that we deserve for those sins so that we could be free and die to the ugliness and the rebellion of those sins and live to righteousness because we have been healed by his glorious wounds. Let's pray together. 
Father, we are thankful for the finished work of Jesus Christ. Father, I do pray that we would rejoice in the cross as brutal as it seems. It seems odd to rejoice in such a thing, but we call this Good Friday for a reason. It is good what Christ accomplished there on the cross. So Father, I pray that throughout the rest of this night and even in tomorrow, that we would uh, uh, just carry the weight of this with us. That he bore our sins in his body. Him who knew no sin became sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. What glorious good news this is. And so, Father, I just pray that you would fill our hearts with joy as we respond in song and respond as we observe the Lord's table together this evening. And we pray all this in Jesus' glorious and worthy name. Amen.